The film would also have the festival as a backdrop to reinforce the idea of the centrality of poetry in Eritrean culture, as I had first experienced seven years before when Zemret took Kasahun and me to the festival to hear Resum perform. Writing the first scene in the documentary, I wanted to reproduce a similar experience of someone arriving at the festival, entering, and being caught up in the excitement. The mob scene at the gate, the buses, the cars, the many different kinds of Eritreans and culture already on display. And his or her being swept into the flow of people, eventually arriving at the poetry performances. Against the same backdrop, the documentary would also feature interviews with the poets from the anthology after their reading in the banquet hall. I would ask them when they wrote their poems and why. I also planned to join a few poets on stage to read translations of their work after each had read the original. Solomon Sehey, who would be there too, told me that I should be prepared to be introduced to the crowd and to offer a few words of my own, like light the lights, perhaps, since many of the people there would remember me from Against All Odds and the performances at Seyhinyeti. I looked forward to reading a few of my translations of the originals by the Eritrean poets who would be reading, since we had become friends in the process of working together on their translations. Some of them had even been published already in American and British literary magazines that offered an honorarium. When I converted it from dollars to nakfa and gave it to the poets, they responded half-jokingly that they never thought the poems they wrote as fighters in the harshness and waste of war in the Sahel would make them literary celebrities in the West saying they especially enjoyed telling their friends back in their old neighborhoods, the poets added, That's the real Asmara we want to show you, Charles. I wasn't sure if I wanted an Asmara any more real than what I had. Yet I felt anxious that I would be reading even a few lines of my own poetry, which would only be in English, in front of many of Eritrea's greatest and oldest oral poets, the Gitamo and the Gatemti, who would be wearing their traditional robes, suits, and gabis, and who would also be in the banquet hall to perform their work in various Eritrean languages. The contemporary poets who wrote their work now knew me, and I knew them, but the oral poets still intimidated me, since I barely knew them beyond their hallowed names. What could I do to please them? Maybe I was too tired from the trip to Misawa to go over the proofs. I turned the pile of paper back to the title page, Who Needs a Story? Contemporary Eritrean Poetry in Tigrinya, Tigre, and Arabic. It would be a first in a world where literary anthologies of contemporary American poetry, Irish poetry, French poetry, Italian poetry, British poetry, in short, the poetry of most developed nations, were abundant.
Like many poets who wrote in African languages, Eritrean poets writing in their own languages or in translation could not be found on the shelves of the world's bookstores and libraries. But now, contemporary Eritrean poets would be on their way to being known and enjoyed throughout Africa and the world, much as the poets of other countries, South American poets in the 1960s, Eastern European poets in the 1970s, had achieved, however belatedly, worldwide recognition.